Father in heaven, we thank you and praise you for this time that we could join together for worship. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege that we can come before the throne of God, being a throne of grace through your sacrifice and finished work on the cross of Calvary. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, who abides in each believer, that you guide us and direct us in the truth of your word. We ask that you do that today. Open our minds, our hearts to receive the living and abiding word of God. And have, may it have its full effect on each life today. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let me ask you a few questions. And each one of you need to answer it for yourselves. Do you honestly believe that God is good? That God is always good? Do you really believe in your heart that God is almighty? That he is all-powerful? That he's all-knowing? That he's ever-present? Do you genuinely believe that God is immutable? That he is the same yesterday, today, and forever? I've heard some of you answer in faith, yes. And if you all can answer these questions in that way, then what James says in James chapter 1, verses 17 and 18 is true for you. And what James was saying there in verses 17 and 18 is that God is the giver of every good and perfect gift. And that God's holy character never changes. His works are always good. And that God's salvation for us in the Lord Jesus Christ begins and it ends with God. And it bears fruit. And that there will be an abundant harvest. And since this is true of God and true of his people who have been redeemed by the blood of Christ and that are now adopted into God's family, then how then are we to live in the presence of this holy God? Is God fully trustworthy? Yes. Is God able to finish what he has started in us? Yes. yes. Is God's love for us in Christ indestructible? Yes. yes. Then what James is going to be encouraging us to do in regard to our behavior in this life is also good. It's right. It's true for each one of us. 
I'm reminded of a movie back in 1995 that was entitled The First Night. Do you remember it? Do you remember when that rogue knight came into where King Arthur was with his other knights at the round table, and he began to smear what King Arthur was trying to do in that land? What was King Arthur's response, Sean Connery's response? He said this, Either what we hold to be right and good and true is right and good and true for all mankind under God, or we're just another robber tribe. So these instructions that James is giving to us through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit are indeed right and good and true for every believer. And in verses 19 through verse 21, James is trying to encourage us that we must be humbly obeying God while restraining the passions of our old flesh. And he says it with three brief statements here. The first one's given there in verse 19. He says, But everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. The first thing he says is that we must be quick to hear. But what are we supposed to be quick and swift about hearing? It's the Word of God. He says in verse 18, the Word of truth. And God's Word is the truth. And living in a culture that presents anything but the truth, What is controlling our thought life? What are we spending time thinking about? What are we allowing to go into our minds? James says, we must be quick, swift to hear the word of truth. Are we daily listening to the word of God with the idea that we are going to respond to it in faith and live it out on a day-to-day basis? Are we allowing our minds to be transformed by the Word of God so that it is rooted in our hearts and in our souls so it becomes the, the, it, the guidebook for our lives? James indicates very clearly in this passage that this word of truth is supposed to teach us how we are to conduct ourselves as members of God's household. As the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verses 14 and 15, he says, I write so that you might know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, 
which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. Secondly, he points out here that we're to be slow to speak. And there's all kinds of talking going on today, is there not? Everybody has an opinion about something. And in fact, if you spend enough time, even in a coffee shop, you can hear those opinions just flying through the air. Let me tell you, God doesn't care about your opinion. We need to be slow to speak. We need to gain skill in listening to God. We need to be quiet enough so that we're learning from God. We need to stop talking so much and concentrate on God and His will for our life. We need to take the admonition that Paul gives to the Colossian church there in Colossians chapter 3 where he says, to set our affections on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. James is encouraging these believers, and I believe us as well, that we need to spend more time listening and less time talking. Yes. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19 says, When there are many words, transgression is unavoidable, but he who restrains his lips is wise. And in Proverbs 29, verse 20, we read, do you see a man hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Third, he says, we need to be slow to anger. You see, the anger of man really stands opposed to the righteousness of God. That's what he indicates here. For an angry spirit is often provoked to error to vile, selfish desires, and to impulsive opinions. There they are again, impulsive opinions. And one of the proofs that a person knows little or nothing of God's way or how to deal with the demands that are ours in this life is this arrogant attitude of not listening to God. Rather, They'd rather blurt out their own opinions in anger. These are the type of people that are often labeled control freaks. They want not only the first word, but they want the last word as well. Maybe you have had to deal with them. One of the things that James makes very clear here is that the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. And he sort of likens it as being fueled by sinful attitudes. Because he tells us in this, in verse 21, therefore putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted which is able to save your souls. That word implanted in the Greek sort of means this. It's something that has been set into a person 
not at the point of natural birth, but at rebirth. The word implanted has come in by rebirth. It's set into a man to be and to grow, to become, if you will, a new part of his nature. It's in fulfillment, if you will, to what Jeremiah talked about there in Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 33 of the new covenant. I will write my law on their hearts. Isn't it wonderful that God is always ready to hear us? When we pray, when we cry out, when we ask for help and guidance and strength, He's always there, right? But are we listening to God? James is trying to encourage us that we need to put off these sinful attitudes and hear and receive the Word of God. You see, aren't healthy relationships, we know this on a, on a human scale, healthy relationships always involve two-way com, uh, communication and understanding. And it has to happen by both parties. Therefore, James's admonition for us is true. We must be humbly listening to God and His Word. Jesus made it sound a little bit more intimate in His shepherd uh, metaphor where He says, My sheep, they hear My voice, and I know them, and they follow Me. We need to, as he says here in verse 21, humbly receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. God is speaking. Are we listening? Lest we think this isn't a problem, Jesus ran into it while he was in his earthly ministry. In fact, the gospel writer Matthew writes about this very thing. Jesus actually wielding, if you will, a charge against those who are opposing him in unbelief, who are not listening. And he quotes from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, which says this, You will keep on hearing, but will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull. With their eyes they scarcely hear, and, with their, and, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they would see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return, and I would heal them. This issue of dullness of heart sprouted out among the people of God in Israel back in Isaiah's day 
as they acted rebelliously against God. Their minds became sick. Their hearts became faint. And they were only going through the motions as we read there in Isaiah chapter 1, verses 10 through 20. Going through the motions, but their deeds from their hearts were evil in the sight of God. And he says, I'm tired of it. Don't bring them anymore. And this is to become, as Paul talks about it in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, a growing problem in the future. For Paul writes, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. Well, beloved, if this is the case, as God's Word outlines for us of the way in which things are going to go, we need to be a people who purpose to humbly Come before the Lord. Listen to what he says. Obey what he's saying to us and restrain ourselves from fleshly desires. Second thing. Verses 22 through 25. We must be applying God's word in our daily living. You see, the greatest danger that James was trying to point out to us here in this passage is that Christians can merely just hear the Word. I've been to church. I've been to Sunday school. I'm done for the week. Right? I've heard it. But the disconnect is this. They do not put it into godly action or practice. And many believers were having trouble then, and they do today. Many believers fall into this self-deception of thinking that hearing the Word of God and doing the Word of God are synonymous, and they are not. It simply is not true. Even Paul said to the Romans in Romans chapter 2, verse 13. It's not the hearers of the law that are justified before God. It is the doers of the law who will be justified. Believers that are content with only hearing God's word make a serious miscalculation about their relationship with the Lord. And James says very clearly in verse 22 here, but prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. If anyone is to claim that they know and they love the Lord and they do not obey his word, John in 1 John chapter 2 verses 3 through 6 says that he is a liar and the truth is not in him. 
Why? Because faith devoid of works is inert. James says it's dead. In James 2.17, faith, if it has no works, is dead being by itself. And that's why we looked at the examples of Abraham and Rahab, because they're the examples that James gives us of what living faith generates. It generates works of faith. In fact, he says there, you see that faith was working with his works, talking about Abraham. And as a result of the works, faith was perfected. And then he gives this example here of a mirror in verses 23 and 24. He says, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in the mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he immediately has forgotten what kind of person he was. Pretty clear, isn't it? James warning us of this deceptive practice of hearing and not doing God's word. Why? Because like a person who looks at a mirror very cursory and then walks away, they forget it. And that's what happens to many of us when we don't have the intention of wanting to not only hear God's Word, but to do it, we forget it. It has no lasting impact on our lives. I don't want to embarrass our teenagers here, but I can remember a time in my life when I had a lot of blemishes. Do you remember that? I can remember a time when I would be looking at a mirror and I would be looking at every area of my face and my neck to see how those sores were either progressing or, or going in decline, healing up, Right? What was the key to getting rid of those blemishes? It was to apply the medication that the doctor gave to you or the pills that he had you ingest so that your body would adjust to allow those blemishes to go away, right? Hallelujah, you felt great when you were gone, right? God wants us to be a people who intently look at the Word of God and hear the Word of God so that it indeed, when it comes into our lives, it changes us. It takes away those sinful blemishes that we're still battling in our flesh and allows them to be transformed so that they're removed and new life comes. To be only hearers of the word only leads to spiritual injuries and a toxic malnutrition in our lives. And there's so many examples. I'll just point out one. The Dead Sea is a classic example where fresh water comes into that uh, body of water and as soon as it enters into it, it completely dies and everything with it. Because there's such a salt, toxic 
content in the Dead Sea water that nothing living can survive. To be a Christian spectator or even a gazer of God's Word and not a doer of it results in spiritual death. It kills our spirit. It drains the life that God wants to see in us and the fruit there. And then he goes on and he says here in verse 25, but the one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not becoming a forgetful hearer but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. Beloved, we need to be in our day adheres to the law of liberty because the law of liberty of God's truth will purify, will set us apart, will keep us on the path of righteousness. Wash away those ugly blemishes and heal us and set us free. Don't ever grow weary about letting God's Word set you apart so that you might be blessed, fruitful for God. It goes along with what Jesus was saying there at the end of His Sermon on the Mount. Are you producing good fruit or bad fruit? Is your house being built on rock or on sand? May God help us to realize that what He has for us is right, it's good, it's true. Verses 26 and 27, I have to stop. We must be continually knowing what are the proofs of true and false religion. He says here, if anyone thinks himself to be religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. But pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. The other day I was um, looking at some children you know, we're going through a thawing process here, slowly. And one of the things that happens when this ground falls out is that we end up with mud. And I was looking at these two siblings just playing with their dad in the mud, right? It was funny because it brought back memories when I did it and when my children did it. We need that continually washing of the water of the Word. Because this world is always trying to throw stuff, dirt on us. We need the washing of the Word. And 
James in these last verses makes it very clear that one of the things that needs to be evident in our lives is the way we speak. That we need of necessity to have control over our tongues. And God is concerned about those who are needy, both the widows as well as the orphans. And the ministries of the church are to show true loving care for the needy of our society. It's one of the hallmarks of being Christians. They'll know us, but by our love. So let us, anew and afresh, beloved, realize that these principles that were given by James in the first century are absolutely essential for our conduct and our way of life as Christians today. We need, we must be humbly obeying God and restraining fleshly passions. We need to be listeners of God and less talkers. We need to lay aside our wants and our desires to receive the living Word of God through the Spirit to transform us. We must be willing to, indeed, in that process, obey God's Word on a day-to-day -day basis, each day. We need to consider, as we're going to our devotional, asking God, to speak to us from his word with the intention of doing it. Show us, Lord, what you want from me today. Do not be just hearers who forget, but doers who act, bearing fruit for God's glory. And third, we must continue to know what are the proofs of true and false religion. Let us ask the Holy Spirit that indwells us to guard our speech and to lead us to become more others-focused so that we lovingly care for those who are needy among us. When Jesus was asked, what is the great commandment? He said in Matthew 22, 34 through 40, the greatest commandment is this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is likened to it. To love your neighbor as yourself. What gate are you, pathway are you on? What is the gate? What is the foundation that you're building on? May God bless us to be people who are humbly obeying, applying God's word, and living out that true religion that comes only by the blessings of God in our lives. Amen.